Well, good evening. Welcome to service tonight. Glad to have each and every one of you here tonight. It's just great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, I'm, I, I was going to greet you like, welcome the frozen chosen to church tonight. You know what I'm saying? Maybe the first time I've ever preached in Long John's, but here I am preaching in Long John's because it's so cold outside. Not really. Hey, listen, we want to welcome you. We want to welcome everyone online as well. If you've tuned in, thanks for tuning in tonight for a Wednesday night service. Glad to have each and every one of you. I know that we're in this uh, season of going from uh, Thanksgiving to Christmas, and so I wanted just to see, just quick survey, those turkey eaters out there, if um, just to see what, what are you eating during the Thanksgiving season. How many are huge fans of a baked turkey? Just raise your hand. Just see. Okay. We even have some claps. Thank you for uh, that dead turkey would appreciate that dead clap. We appreciate that. Um, how many is like a fried turkey? You found a fried turkey. Okay, a few. How about a smoked turkey? Yeah, I heard even a yeah. So it looks like the baked has it, right? And uh, the smoked, we love the smoked turkey. And I don't know about your family, but my family, we have Thanksgiving. We have a daughter that loves ham, and some of us love turkey. So it's a, my wife does a turkey and a ham, and, and Christmas time will come, and it'll be ham and all kinds of goodies. But thank God for food, right? We're, we're blessed people. That's really what we are. Amen? Amen. Listen, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes in life, I don't know about just as you walk through life, do you ever feel like, and I don't know, I, I did this as a kid, just going to be transparent here, that you just thought of life and you said, man, this life that we're living, it's real, and you just kind of pinch yourself. Did you ever do that, or am I the only crazy one in here? You just kind of pinch yourself. If, if, okay, thank you. I mean, if you want to do that right now, you can pinch yourself, pinch your neighbor, whatever you want to do, but you know, you, we're here. This is a blessed life that we're, we're living, and we're living out this day and this age, and, and um, I don't know about where you grew up, but I grew up and it's amazing to think that I didn't necessarily choose where God had placed me, but I was, I was born in Arkansas, raised a little bit in Arkansas, moved to South Carolina, and, and here in Florida. But how many of you just think about your childhood and where you grew up and thinking, man, this is just a journey that I've been on. It's an amazing journey. But, you know, when you're out and you say, hey, you're from Arkansas, sometimes you get some looks like you're from Arkansas. But it's kind of, if you ever lived in Arkansas, you kind of understand that. There's really some, you know, hillbillies and stuff like that. Anybody know what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm talking Redneck, you know that language, right? As pastor would say, this is yard talk. Like, okay. So there are some cities in Arkansas that some of the names were like this. Um, imagine this. There's a Hicksville, Arkansas. Think about... Uh, there, I know there's probably everybody thinking, oh, we, we have that too in our state. Um, imagine being from Seed Tick, Arkansas. Everybody had Seed Ticks before? They will wipe you out. I mean, these little things you can't even see. Um, another one was, was Deer, Arkansas. Um, if you go to their school, antlers were their mascot. And they took off... And when it was deer season, deer season hit, guess what? They're taking off work. Now, no one's going to school. School's out because everybody's in the deer woods trying to shoot a deer. It's really funny. Now, the one that really gets me is the one called Toad Suck, Arkansas. And I kid you not, I know some of you right now, you're going to Google it. You're going to see what the population is. I don't know how many. Hopefully, you'll use your hands and your toes. I don't know how many people are living there. But can you imagine having to go to college or somewhere out and they say, hey, where are you from? Oh, I'm... I'm from Toad Suck, Arkansas. 
No, no, really. Seriously, where are you from? I'm, no, I'm, really, I'm from Toadstuck, Arkansas. Is that by Deer, Arkansas, or Seed? You know what I'm saying? And so it's amazing that this journey that we're on, we're all on this journey, right, together. And where we have been, we, we've been brought from and we're going to, it is a journey. And when you look back, it's amazing the things that you will learn and that you see. I want to do this tonight. I want to take you on just a small journey through a man's life by the name of King Solomon. King Solomon's life was much different than my life and your life. Lived in Jerusalem, a king, uh, grew up in royalty really, but I wanted to just draw some things out from his life that I think will help us tonight and be, help us to learn kind of what it means to live under the sun living for the Lord. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verses 1 through 11. As I read this, um, I'm, you're going to hear some words in here. Uh, one of those is going to be the word just I. Just keep track of how many times the word I is used. And here's what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, 1 through 11. I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and harem as well, the delights of the heart of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me, and all this wisdom stayed with me. I, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had told to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. You see, when you look into the scripture, there's a few couple words that you need to realize and some words that I think will speak to us tonight, and one of those words is it's kind of associated with the word I, is this word called vanity. Vanity is a word that you could ascribe a few words to it. That would be kind of like self-importance, the, the, the word I, it would be the word meaningless. And whenever you read this scripture, you're going to see a whole lot of that as you read the book of Ecclesiastes, but especially in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and 3. And then when you get to the very end of chapter 2, you see this word. And, and it's actually three words, under the sun. What does he mean by under the sun? Well, I wish we had a little sun right now to warm things up, but we really don't have a lot of sun. But what the word actually means is life. So when he says under the sun, it really means nothing was gained under life or in life. So as we read that, here's what we learn. When Solomon sees life under the sun without considering him who is above the sun, he is full of confusion and frustration. It is only when Solomon takes account of his life above the sun that life under the sun makes sense. And so when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you see that Solomon had some of these moments in life. I'm going to say amazing moments. All kinds of different moments that he experienced, but 
what he experiences all of these moments under the sun. And so what I want to share with you tonight is just three quick points about Solomon's life and what kind of moments he had. And the very first moment that he had under the sun would be this, Solomon's wow moments. Everybody say wow with me. Wow. That's what we're going to study. You see, when we look at our life, we can see that we walk through some amazing moments in life. I mean, think about it. Think about those days when you experienced some of your first. The first time that maybe um, you were kissed. Anybody remember that? Maybe a sore subject. I don't know. Don't look to the left or the right right now. You just need to look straight ahead. Your first car. Anybody remember your first car? I mean, it, you're like, yes. I mean, it was awesome. The wheels, the tires, the, the color. It was great. Your, your first... Um, I was going to say, maybe this isn't a good, your first marriage, but you know what I'm saying, maybe the first child, you know what I'm saying, your first child. Um, when you had that first child, it was an amazing experience, but it was kind of in your life this wow moment, and you loved it. Solomon had some wow moments, and if you would put Solomon's um, resume up, you would see, man, this guy was accomplished. Think about it. He wrote 3,000 Proverbs. He wrote a thousand um, five songs that he wrote himself personally. He wrote the, the Song of Solomon, Book of Proverbs, the Book of Psalms. I mean, this guy had it going on. He had 1,400 chariots. Can you imagine that? I mean, if we wanted to translate that in today's age, imagine having 1,400 Mustang convertibles or Corvettes. I don't know what your car is, but you get the picture. I mean, he had it all. He had 12,000 horses. I mean, he had so much, and he built the temple there in Jerusalem. I mean, he was impeccable with what he had. He had some wow moments. But if you take a journey of his life, and you begin to see how he got to that place, and many of us, as we look at our life, we may say, hey, we have a lot of wow moments in our life. You can always see this, that there is the hand of God that is helping you and guiding your life. That's a good place to say amen right there. And thank God for it. You see, in 1 Kings chapter 2, it says this. It says, Then David rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. He had reigned 40 years over Israel, seven years in Hebron and about 33 years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his rule was firmly established. But if you realize and understand that how he got there, and many of you being Bible scholars in here tonight, you understand this. How, what, how did Solomon come about? You remember the story. It was David. When he should have been out to war, he was looking over uh, at his temple and he found someone bathing. It was Bathsheba. He lusted after her, wanted her, chose her. He came. They become one, if you know what I mean. And then all of a sudden, because of them becoming one and David likes her, he sends Bathsheba's um, husband off to war, he is killed, and all of a sudden you begin to see that David, he is caught in betrayal, he is caught in lying, he's caught in adultery. But from that, they have a son whose name is who? Solomon. So you begin to see, as you begin to see these wow moments, everybody say, wow, that is a wow moment. God sometimes and very often redeems a messy situation and brought Solomon through a messy situation, and all of a sudden God had the plans for his life, and he raises him up. But you can't forget about David. Why can you not forget about David? Because 
God's grace, his mercy, it reaches further than we could ever see. His perceptive is, is different than what we could ever see. And he reaches down and he helps David as well. And then if you turn to Psalm chapter 51, you will begin to see these great words that David begins to repent of what he has done with Bathsheba. And it just says simply this, Lord, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. It's just a moment. And you know what we can see in our lives? Sometimes we do the same thing. It doesn't matter how many uh, cans of green beans you've given to the Thanksgiving outreach. You may have donated three organic turkeys. And God bless your soul for doing that. But listen, sometimes there's a time and a place and a chance to come before the Lord and say, Lord, please help me. I need to be cleansed from, from you. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my mind. Help me in this time and day and age that I'm living in. And it, all it does is it takes us to reach out in Him. Another wow moment for uh, King Solomon is found in 1 Kings chapter 3. It says this, At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said this, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Can you imagine? What if God came to you in a dream tonight and said, Listen, I'm going to give you whatever you ask for. What are you going to ask for? And some of us would say, and you know what? We could say this, man. You know, a million dollars in the bank wouldn't be a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? A brand new Mustang. I, you know, I might take 12 chariots. That might be pretty cool to show my friends. Some horses, I don't know. But you begin to ask, and you begin to ask, you know what, I would simply ask, and I know Pastor Jeff would probably agree with me, but maybe you would ask that even this weekend, as Georgia plays Alabama, that Georgia would win. How many, yes, I hear the amen corner right over here. Thank you, sir. But you know what I'm saying? If the Lord would come to you, if God would come to you and say, what, what would you ask for? Think about that. But you know what? Day, or, you know, Solomon asked for this. He said, you know what? If you would give me a discerning heart, and it says in Scripture that God gave him not only a discerning heart, but a wise heart. So you skip down to 1 Kings 3.28. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. His wisdom was greater from the, as far as it is from the east and the west, it says in Scripture. His fame spread throughout the land that everybody knew in the surrounding nations that Solomon was wise beyond his years and everybody knew it. Now to me, this is an amazing thing because his wisdom spread like wildfire. And when you look at the fame today... If you can sing real well, if you can play football, basketball, I mean, everybody knows. When you say LeBron James, everybody knows. When you say Peyton Manning, everybody knows. When you begin to mention those singers, that's the fame that is spread. But this famous man, was his fame spread because of his wisdom and discerning heart for his nation. You see, wisdom is the ability or result of ability to think and act utilizing knowledge, experience, understanding, and common sense. That's Solomon's wow moments, living under the sun, and that's more moments that we need to recognize even within our lives. There's some wow moments. Everybody say wow. The second moment that he's going to experience in his life, in Solomon's life, are these moments that I'm going to call very simply this, these oh no moments. Anybody ever had an oh no moment? 
And what do you mean by, oh no, it's just moments in your life that have been very difficult. I remember years and years ago, I mean, I was a kid living in my house uh, with my parents, and, and you know, as any parent would, you have restrictions and you have guidelines that you go by. It's like, these are the rules of the house. Anybody understand that? You know what I'm talking about, moms and dads. You're not going to do this. This is what you can do, what you can't do. And it wasn't like this book that you read or like the, the 15 commandments or something like that. But you know, this is what you could do. And so I remember, and I don't know what came over me, but we fought a little bit. My sister, she was younger than I was, but I had a gift of provoking. And you know, some of you have that gift where you can provoke someone or you can just kind of stir the pot a little bit and just walk away. And just watch what happened. Well, I had made her so upset. We were fighting, and I don't know what I said. And she was kind of throwing stuff at me. And I remember hiding behind my mom's coffee table that she had just purchased. It was this beautiful wood coffee table with glass on top. And I said something to my sister, and she had a bunch of change in her hand. I don't know why. And she just chunked it right at me. I mean hard. A few of them kind of hit me, but most of them hit that coffee table and bounced off and on the ground. And we both, are, we were like, oh no. And we looked at the coffee table, and across the coffee table, scratches. And I don't know about you, but moms have this innate ability that they can walk in a house and they know if their kids have been doing something or something's out of place or something's out of whack. If, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's a real thing. Don't you ever think that's not a real thing? That's a real thing. And so I remember my sister and I, my mom wasn't home at the time, so we were like, hey, we're supposed to go to the swimming pool. So we, we went to the swimming pool, and I remember being at the swimming pool, and I remember mom's car Vividly, I still remember it today, driving around the swimming pool, her getting out of, out of her car, coming up to the fence and saying, you get out of the pool immediately, you're going home. And I'm like, we're busted. And we were busted. But you know what I'm talking about. Everybody has these oh no moments. You see, in the book of Deuteronomy, God, he begins to do this. He has some rules and restrictions for kings. So he begins to set these rules, restrictions, these qualifications for kings. And when you begin to read them, they would have applied to King Solomon. King Saul, King David, King Solomon. And simply it goes like this. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, he gives three restrictions and says, The king, moreover, must not do three things. You must not acquire a bunch of horses a bunch of wives, and you can't accumulate a lot of silver and gold. Now, to me, that's a little funny. Can't, don't you want to say, there's three things you can't do. I'm going to tell you tonight. You can't have a lot of horses, you can't have a lot of wives, and you can't have a lot of silver and gold. Just stick with that. That's a good thing. And so what happens is there's these two requirements are made of the king, and so the king he has to do two things with all these requirements. It says this, he shall write a copy of this law, and then he's supposed to read it every year, over and over again, so it's really in his heart and in his life. And the result of that is if he does that, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, number one, and if to keep all the words of the law and these statutes to do them, his heart will not be lifted up above his brethren that he is able to serve and love the people around him because he is not concentrated on all this stuff that he has. 
And so the promise, if he does all of these things, is very simply that he may prolong his days in his kingdom along with his children as well. Then all of a sudden you get to 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 6, and it says, So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. Oh no. So when he all of a sudden has this oh no moment, remember, he is a king who has 700 wives and 300 concubines. You can imagine him walking through the temple and all of a sudden he runs into somebody and, and he walks into this lady and the lady says, hey, guess who I am? He's like, I really don't know. He says, well, I'm one of the 700 and here are your 12 children. Don't you think that would be just a little difficult to live life like that? You see, what is tragic about this Ono moment is that God said, don't do this. And so for us, and even you today, as you begin to read the Word, as we begin to see the qualifications, I want to say the restrictions, the guidelines that God gives us, it is not to harm us, but it's to help us through life. It's to be a, a track that guides us and help us to understand that, hey, living life in and through Christ is the best that we can do. It's going to be great for our lives. Then all of a sudden, you understand this. This is a powerful reminder of what deliberate disobedience will do to your life. For a man to have so much wisdom, yet to do what is wrong in the eyes of the Lord, that is the most tragic of all. And when you go to 1 Kings chapter 11 and 10, it says, Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's commands. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude, and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you, I will most certainly, and I love the word that he uses here, Tear, I'm going to tear the kingdom away from you. And I'm going to give it to one of your subordinates. What? A king? Solomon? A man of wisdom? He has everything that he's ever needed. The guy with extraordinary leadership, an ability to lead, and has this organizational skill. He's able to do all of these things for his kingdom, yet his disobedience leads him to a place where he's not obeying the restrictions and the laws that set forth. Now it tells us, and it shares with us a very interesting thing. Does that mean that when we mess up, does that mean that God takes this one act of disobedience and then I'm ruined? Oh no. You have to understand that, that Solomon, this was over a series of years that he began to unfold all of this character that he was trying to build and really going against the word of God. So what happened to Solomon? Well, pride began to slip into his life. It started small and began to grow, and then all of a sudden lust and greed simultaneously took total control of his life. And in his own words, listen to what he says. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward from all my labor. You see, sometimes... Pride is so easy to see in others, but it's not necessarily easy to see within ourselves. Here's how we kind of camouflage it. Others are egotistical, but we're kind of self-confident. Others are, are arrogant, and, and we're just right. I know I'm right. This is the way it's supposed to be. Others are demanding, and we're pursuing excellence. We want excellence within our life. But listen to what Solomon in Proverbs 16, 18 says. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Even James echoes the same thing when he says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You see, the area of disobedience in Solomon's life, 
It's not necessarily the same way in our lives. We can't look at his life and say, hey, well, I don't have a lot of horses. I don't have a lot of wives. I have one wife. I haven't amassed a lot of silver and gold, so I'm okay. But no, it shows up in different forms. Even though his disobedience was public, sometimes ours can even be private. And all of a sudden, we realize and we run into, oh no, we have these wow moments in our lives. We have these oh no moments in our lives. And, the li- and, and life just looks kind of bleak and like, what are we going to do? But all of a sudden, when you look into Solomon's life, you have to understand that even though he had a wow moment, an oh no moment, he has these aha moments. And it's during the aha moments in our life that we begin to grow and understand that, hey, if we will just stop, look at his word, and begin to gain some wisdom and understanding, what does an aha moment mean? It simply means this. When you gain real wisdom that you can use to change your life, that's an aha moment. And sometimes that's hard to see, isn't it? But the book of Ecclesiastes is Solomon's aha moment when he begins to describe his whole life. He does all these things and realize, he realizes this, man, it's just nothing. It's meaningless. Everything I've done is meaningless. And aha. And what we gain from this particular scripture, what we begin to understand is this. We learn four quick things. Life is monotonous. It's just this over and over again thing that we go through. And Solomon would say it this way. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new in life. And all of a sudden, we begin to look at people's life. We begin to look at just things that happen over the years and through the years. I mean, uh, I'm going to say young people, middle-aged people, old people. Have you, have you seen what people wear nowadays? And this is hilarious to me because I remember several years ago, I went up to this young man and said, hey, I see that you're... You're wearing these, your, your jeans all kind of tight rolled and stuff. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. And so I'm always interested, hey, where did you get that? Where did you pick, pick that up? Where did you find that? He says, people have just now started doing this. And I said, really? He says, yeah. He says, uh, I, I picked it up from so-and-so, and, and it just, you know, it's just the fashion and thing. I said, oh, okay. Well, I grew up in the late 80s and 90s in high school. You know what I'm talking about? We tight rolled jeans then. And I know that back in what, the 60s and 70s, you tight-rolled jeans back then too. I wonder if they tight-rolled their robes back in biblical days. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? Life is monotonous. Life is just the same thing over and over again. Another thing that you'll learn from the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a time and a place for everything. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Another thing you'll learn, wealth is lacking. From a guy who had everything, he says this, it's lacking. And death is certain. It's going to happen. It doesn't matter who you are. You're going to live this life, and then you're going to die. There's some encouraging words for the night, right? So when we take those four thoughts, we can learn three powerful aha moments in our life. Number one is this. Life is risky. Living by faith is the best option. Would you say amen? You may not think life is risky, but I will tell you this. Sometimes it's the, most, it's the smallest decisions that we think that we have to make that sometimes are the most critical that could change everything in our life. It's the simple decisions. Maybe it's the decision that maybe the Lord is speaking to you. You haven't reached out to your neighbor. Maybe you haven't 
uh, gone across the street or across the yard or, or, or baked a pie or smoked a turkey. I don't know what it is, but maybe God is simply saying, take a risk. Love people, help people, share with people, reach out to people, and you'll see what I can do through you. And all of a sudden, you will grow the kingdom of God. Because why? Loving God and loving people is the greatest commandments that we could ever follow. You know, I've been a part of several funerals throughout the years, and it is a difference when you go into a funeral and you begin to preach and share in a funeral where the one that is laying before you, you don't know if they had a relationship with the Lord. I'm telling you, there's an emptiness, there is a sorrow that is a part of a service like that that you just don't know because they, you don't know. But let me tell you the opposite of that. It's someone who has, has passed on. They have gone on. I had a grandmother that, that just passed two months ago. And I'm telling you, we knew that she walked with the Lord. She prayed. There was no doubt. So at a celebration service, even though it was sad, guess what? There was joy in the moment. Life is risky, but hey, faith is the best option to live and grow in Jesus Christ. And that's the best thing that we can do. Number t- two is this. Life is brief, so let's enjoy it. It's very brief. Someone described it to me one time just like this. He says, you know, if you take a cup of water and you put your finger in that cup of water, you're going to make an indention in the water, and as soon as you take it out, where your finger was, that space is going to fill up, and just as quick as you do that, that's life. James even says it like this. Life is like a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. And life happens so quick. Ecclesiastes says this in Ecclesiastes 11.9. You who are young, be happy while you are young and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. I don't know about you, but I'm going to like this. I'm beginning to more like this more and more the older I get. What if we just declare right now, 70's the new 50. Come on now. 50 is the new 30. 30 is the new, t- you know what I'm saying? I, I, we could go for that. But listen, life is changing. There's some aha moments that we begin to grab onto. Life is brief, so let's enjoy it. The third one is this, as I close. Life is God's gift. Manage it well. Life is God's gift. You see, one of the most important scriptures that you can read and, and I say that one of the most important scriptures, but we could pull a thousand scriptures and say this is an important scripture, but let me even phrase it this way. Tonight, as we read this scripture, maybe it'll mean more to us right now because of these moments that we're living than any scripture, and it simply says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. This is Solomon's words. This is after he has lived his life. He said he's had all these wow moments, these oh no moments, And all of a sudden he comes to this aha moment. Here's his aha moment. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandment. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. What a powerful scripture for us. What an amazing scripture to speak to us even tonight, even of those you, of you watching online. That we're going to be filled with moments in life that are wow moments, that are oh no difficult moments, but we're going to have this aha moment when we begin to realize, hey, God is in control. That's what we have to realize is that God is in control. And if we will just submit our lives to Him, let Him help us through these times, 
He'll help us. He'll guide us. He'll direct us. And He'll help us through the most difficult times in life. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray this tonight. That maybe you may be going through some moments in your life. Maybe it is a wow moment. This is a season of your life. It's just going great. And that is awesome for you. There's some of you in here that's going through some moments that are just some oh no moments. And maybe it's because of the Thanksgiving, the Christmas. Maybe it's because of the loss of someone in your family. Maybe it's just a sad season. I don't know what it may be, but it's just an oh no moment. I'm going to pray that maybe you can have an aha moment. And maybe if you aren't walking with the Lord and you're here tonight and you say, you know what, I'm not even walking with the Lord. I just kind of walked in here tonight. I I need something in my life. I felt empty in my life. I'm kind of like Solomon. And life just feels meaningless to me. I want to encourage you. Would you just cry out to God? Maybe it's the first time. Maybe it's the second time. It doesn't matter how many times, but would you just cry out to Him? And then after I pray, we're going to open the altars. And maybe you just want to come and respond to Him. Just pray and say, Lord, I need you tonight. Maybe there's, you're dealing with something. You just need to, uh, people to agree with you in prayer. We're going to connect our faith with God, and we're going to pray for you at this moment. Lord, we thank you that tonight you're such a good God that you speak to us through your word, your words living and active at all times, speaking to us. And Lord, as we've shared these principles tonight from your word in Ecclesiastes, people are walking through wow moments. They're walking through these oh no moments. They're walking through these moments that they're like, aha, now it makes sense. And even tonight for some, it may be one of those moments where it makes sense and they just want to respond to you. So Lord, I pray there would be no fear we'd be able to walk out and trust in you and believe in you. Lord, what we are going to do tonight is we're going to praise you. We're going to look to you. We're going to lift up our heads to you. And Lord, you're going to do great things. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. You come as Pastor Randy sings.
Lord, we thank you tonight for your love and your goodness. I thank you for another week that you have given us. Lord, as we walk through this week, I pray, Lord, that we'd be sensitive to your voice, that we'd be obedient to your voice, and God, that every opportunity that you present to us, God, that we would just grab a hold of it. Help us to have faith to do that. Grow us in our faith this week as you give us many opportunities to live for you. Go with us now in your grace and your peace. And everybody said, amen. We're going to see you Sunday. Have a great night.
kept to earth.